Hey, Sober Family, welcome to I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye, the podcast where we're learning to love ourselves instead of booze. An L is a lesson, not a loss. That, you know, I am a negative person first, and then I go to the positive. And I have practiced this thing where every time I get rejected, every time I lose, every time something doesn't go my way, I immediately train myself to say it's not a loss, it's a learning experience, and it's a lesson. And I will take that and it will make me better. And I will learn from that moving forward. On this episode, Al and I have Mitch Leff in the studio, AKA Mitch Motivates on Instagram. He's the chief operations officer for a plastic surgeon in New York City. But most importantly, he personally specializes in recovery support, which we'll hear a lot more about in just a moment. I'm your host, Dana Kroll. I'm a former army chaplain who developed a toxic relationship with alcohol after leaving the military. And I stayed on a roller coaster of rock bottoms, recoveries, and relapses until finally, in the winter of 2022, I found my way out of the cycle by connecting with people like you. After kissing alcohol goodbye, my goal is to never go back, but I can't do it alone. So let's break up with booze together. With me in the studio is Al K. Halfrey, my spirit animal for sobriety, and my faithful co-host who has decided today to get out the diffuser. So we've got some lemon scent wafting into the studio. Uh, Okay. Yeah, you can. I smell it from New York. Mitch can smell it from from Manhattan. Um, <laughs> if you're uh, just listening, you won't see this awesome view of the city that Mitch has got uh, from uh, behind him from his office where he's uh, streaming in from. But I need to shut my trap and let Mitch introduce himself and tell us uh, tell us all about your story of addiction and recovery. I'm really excited to have you on the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Dana. Um, first of all, I'm grateful and I'm honored to be on here. Thank you for having me on. I believe it's interesting. So we connected because I did another podcast and I connected with the guy who I did that podcast to a friend of a friend. So it just shows you, you you never know what's going to happen. You just keep on taking the next right action and then opportunities will present themselves as long as you keep on doing the next right thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, I just have to say that. So I'm honored. Thank you for your service to our country. Um, and thank you for your current service to the sober community. Um, so yeah, let me talk to you about my story. Um, just if anyone could find me and you're going to tune out after three minutes. My name is uh, Mitch Leff at Mitch Motivates on Instagram. I live in New York. Um, DM me, call me, email me, whatever. Whoever I can help. Whenever I will try my best. Um, I've been sober since August 25th, 2008. That's my continuous sobriety day. I started this journey. The first time I got sober was in April of 2006. Um, And my story started way before that. So, you know, I like to let me talk about what it was like, what happened, and what it was like now. So, when I first started, drinking it was way different than everyone else I just had this feeling and I always say like it just made sense to me to drink alcohol to get drunk like it didn't social drinking didn't make sense you know maybe occasionally I'll have like a sip of beer or wine but it wasn't until I had my own first beer with like it was like three guys in a basement like do you want a Heineken um I remember it like it was yesterday and uh, it was just different to me. I immediately was like, let's get drunk. You know, that was my, you know, and then from then on, whenever I drank, it was like only to get drunk. 
So I immediately started changing my lifestyle and my behaviors to fit how I was drinking. So I would drink alone. Um, I would steal alcohol, um, raid liquor cabinets. One of the funnier things I did was I took a bottle, uh, my parents had this bottle of vodka in the freezer and I took most of it out and filled it with water and put it in the freezer. And my dad comes down like a couple of weeks later with this icicle in his hand. He's like, what is this? And he's like, hit me. You know, the vodka doesn't freeze, but, but water does, you know, just, it didn't matter what the alcohol was. Alcohol was something that I took to get drunk. And that was like it. And I would do it. The less people, the better. Like, why would I share, you know, and that was my attitude right off the bat. I was like 16 years old. Okay. So um, it progressed quickly for me. The drinking progressed to drug use, um, was doing weed four or five times a day. Started, that's when I started changing my friends. I really started changing my lifestyle when drugs got introduced to the picture. So I have this abnormal relationship with alcohol, but I'm younger than 21. So, you know, my drug dealer didn't, doesn't cart. Like I, you didn't need to be 21 to buy drugs, right? Um, so borrowing and stealing only got so far. So I started getting more into the drugs. So I start changing friends and I start having, when my weed use has, you know, it smells, you know, you know, your eyes, that's when people around me started really noticing that I was different. Um, then one of those people that I used to smoke weed with all the time, you know, again, like it was like four or five times a day. And I was the worst type. I met, you know. If you ever seen the movie Scarface, I was the worst type of weed smoker, especially when I tried to become a drug dealer. And if you ever seen the movie Scarface, you know, the number one rule is don't get high on your own supply. I would like be the drug dealer that would like lose money by getting high on my own supply. So anyway, one of my friends that I was smoking weed with all the time was like, let's try Coke. And I was like, yeah. And that's when it really started to go downhill. Mind you, I'm still in high school. So I just like use Coke, how I use weed, how I use alcohol. It was like, the less people, the better. This is amazing. I'm going to do it until my body can't handle it. I'm going to do it as many days a week as I can. Nothing else matters because this is what I'm doing now. It like overpowered my life. Um, like I was in high school doing Coke in the parking lot before school. Like that's not that, you know, so... Right away, it was quick, like within a year or two, it was quick that I had an abnormal relationship with drugs, like just how I was wired. Like I couldn't, you know, they say like one is too many thousands enough, not enough when I started, like I couldn't stop. Yeah. And by the way, you know, just a quick sidebar, the podcast is I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye, right? I've been to a lot of Alcoholics Anonymous and AA meetings. But what helped me when I first got sober, because I liked AA, but I didn't really, like, I have a problem with alcohol, but drugs were more prevalent in my story than alcohol. Okay. And what I did is, there was this, in the AA book, there's a part where, I forget which chapter, it talks about the jaywalker, and that someone jaywalks across the street, and every time that they jaywalk, they get hit by a car. And then they do it again, they get hit by a car, Right. And there's a specific reference to if you were re replaced jaywalking with your drinking, it would be the same thing, mm. right? Yeah. And that's what I did when I first got sober with my drug use. I was in a closet at four in the morning, high off cocaine, was in the closet because I was paranoid, 
was alone, it was like hiding like from the police, but no one was there. It was paranoia. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I remember saying like that feeling of being alone and just like not knowing how you get there, like paranoid, scared, alone at four in the morning is the same thing I just heard the guy was saying he was at the bar until three in the morning and he was the last person on the bar stool, you know? And I was like, it's the same. Yeah. And that's what I, that's what I got in the habit of doing, you know, not like saying, you know, identifying, not comparing. Right. So anyway, now I, that's about my cocaine. And, and um, the first consequence happened was when um, graduation night from high school, I got arrested um, for possession. And uh, I remember being handcuffed to a chair the night I graduated high school in a police station, like when everyone else was celebrating. That was crazy. I went to Indiana University out of high school. Uh, I, was, I grew up in New Jersey. And there it just went like downhill real fast. Like the same, I drank and drugged the same way I was doing before. But this time I was really alone in the middle of some new place. So again, like every day I would just wake up and nothing else would matter. All that would matter would be like, how am I going to get the next one? And I would lie, cheat, steal to get more. I wouldn't need, at this point, I like really didn't need to shower because I didn't did like every like I wasn't doing anything else, you know, I couldn't function, I couldn't go to class, I couldn't go to parties, nothing mattered except that, where am I gonna get the next one? Yeah. And all I would do was, how am I gonna lie, cheat and steal today to get more? Every, you know, and slowly like the scam started to like give up and I had to try something else. Like I would sell like polo shirts to like a store. I sold my laptop to the, sa- the same laptop to two different people. Hmm. I just like, I would just like every day, I would be like, what can I do now to get money to get more? Yeah. Fast forward to April of my freshman year, I had come home to Jersey for a family event and then ended up running away from home. Three days later, I'm still up. I'm in this motel room with my dad's stolen credit card and the cops like tracked it. My parents had filed a missing person's report, like a milk carton, like back of a milk carton, like where's Mitch? Yeah. Because I just left. And that's where it took me. I just couldn't stop. And I just needed to keep going. And then uh, when the cops, not, I remember the knock on the motel room door after I ran away and my parents filed the missing persons report. And it was like five police officers. So I looked in the hole. I went to the bathroom, flushed everything down the toilet. And then they opened and I started crying. They took me to a hospital because when you find a missing person, you have to take them to the hospital. Yeah. And uh, my parents came to the hospital and I broke down again. Like, I have a problem. And a week later, I was in rehab. Um, and that started my journey in recovery. So this is when you were like 18 or 19? I, I turned 19 a week into rehab. Okay. Um, so again, like it was clear to me that I had a problem. And, and how old uh, are you now, by the way? I'm 35 years old. Okay. So you got, yeah, I'm just so trying to get the six, I just celebrated in the end of August, 14 years. I'll talk about that. That's awesome. Um, yeah. But I started over 16 years ago. Okay. And the first couple of years of my sobriety, you know, could be summed up by, you know, the following slogan, if it works, you know, it works if you work it. Yeah. And I was introduced in rehab. I was away in rehab for four months. Then I went to a halfway house for four months and I was introduced to everything I needed to do to stay sober. But again, it only works if I work it. So like, but that's how I've been my whole life. You know, it's, you know, because like how... 
you know, we have this disease that tells us we don't have a disease. I have this thing that when I start getting stuff back in my life, I forget how I, how I got the stuff back, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I, I was in rehab for four months. Then I moved to the Poconos where I was living for four, another four months in a halfway house. Then I got an apartment with some of the guys from that halfway house. And as soon as I moved out, I met a girl. I was influenced by her. And we ended up, I re, we relapsed, you know, I relapsed with her. Mm-hmm. Like that. As soon as I get out of treatment, boom. Yeah. But the relapse was just part of my journey. And I've always been like, had to learn myself through trial and error. Now, looking back during that time, I'll, I'll tell you that the, the fact that I moved to an apartment with guys from that halfway house, like started a trend that I would, I was going to like my living situation, the people, places, and things I started changing for my sobriety. So it was a good thing. Like I was doing some good things and, you know, I was doing some bad things. And yeah. it turned out at that point that the bad thing is kind of one. And, and uh, that picked back up. I like was ma- making it very clear that I would, open my, I would change people, places, and things for my recovery. Mm-hmm. So I'm living in the Poconos. I got lived in, after I left the halfway house, I lived in two different apartments, both with a sober guy that I met at the halfway house. So that was awesome. Um, and I went to school part-time at the local community college. I had a job. I was going to meetings. I slowly started building a community and getting back on my feet, right? But every couple you know, months, I would relapse. Then I looked into Rutgers University, had a program for students in recovery, and I ended up transferring there because I wanted to go back again to a university from mm-hmm. the community college. I went to about, I think I went to three semesters of community college to build up enough credits to transfer to Rutgers. So again, making a decision for my sobriety, people, places, and things, I, they had like a sober re- recovery dorm. So I lived with like 20, 20 sober people uh, at Rutgers. Oh, cool. And I ended up living there for three years, which is amazing. And then to speed up a little bit, um, when, I, when I was graduating, when, when I was at the end of my time at Rutgers, I had connected with someone that I lived with in that recovery house who was working in New York. Now, New York is the home of the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, Bill W. New York is famous for sobriety. Um, So I knew I would, and Rutgers is in uh, in the middle of New Jersey, New Brunswick. So I knew that when I was graduating, I would either get an apartment in New Brunswick and live around Rutgers because I had the community or I would move to New York. Okay. I knew a couple people there. So it was either one or the two. I wasn't going to like move to like Cleveland. No offense. No, 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 no. You're Where you from? (laughs) I'm in Columbus, but I know what you're saying. You're like, you're not just going to move to some random place. You're going to stick to where, yeah, what I was just writing down as you were saying that was location, location, location. It seems to be a key part of your story. Yeah. I mean, and, and I did, again, I made that happen. It wasn't like it just randomly happened. I mean, like, you know, by the way, Columbus is supposed to be an amazing place to live. I I actually it is. And we actually have a sober bar that just opened here that I still have not gone to because it's downtown, which is a triggering area for me. But I'm going to make it down there at one point. And I'm trying to my plan is to have the owners on the show at some point because that seems to be kind of the new thing is like a place where you can go. And I know some people will be like a sober bar. What's the point, but 
Yeah, I have a better idea. Let's yeah. we you should do a live podcast at the fucking bar. Okay. Note to self. That's All right. what you should challenge do. accepted. Challenge Done. accepted. Yep. Okay. Um, I love it. So, okay. Speaking of location, while, while I was at Rutgers, one of my relapses happened uh, in a foreign country. I, I went on some trip and there was no sober people. And someone at, at someone gave, said, do you want to drink? And I said, yes. Um, so in, especially in the beginning, people, places, things, location. Yeah. And, but, you know, I referenced the big, you know, I'm a, I'm a longtime student of Alcoholics Anonymous in the big book. I, I don't really work that much of an active program anymore, but I'm a very longtime student. And, you know, there's a, there's a line in the, in the big book, there's a part where it talks about if you're spiritually fit, you can go anywhere. Yeah. So that, that took me time. So I get to New York. I move in with someone that's sober. Eventually I, he, we parted ways after we lived together for a year and uh, he moved back to Jersey. He now lives in LA and has a kid. Um, so Adam, if you're listening, you were a huge part of my transition, transition to New York and congrats to you and your wife and your kid. He lives in LA. Mm. He works in like for a video game company. He's living the dream. Awesome. Uh, beautiful family. Um, and, and just to clarify again, I'm not, different things work for different people. I'm, I'm, I don't judge. And I ask that no one judges me. That's what I've been raised to do again, identify, not compare. Um, but for me, sobriety means no drugs or alcohol in any form with the exception of nicotine, caffeine, and sugar. That's what sobriety means to me. Okay. And the last three is a joke from Yisrael Campbell, who I've heard as a, as a, as a talk, so many times this guy is like a orthodox jewish comedian that's been sober for like 20 years um, well, if, it weren't, if it weren't for the caffeine i wouldn't be i, I probably would I, not still be sober at this point so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with it but but look there's different fo- there's different things for different people some yes. people are like you're not sober if you drink caffeine and smoke cigarettes and some people are like dude i smoke weed every day and i'm right. sober exactly you know what i mean like it's yeah. like i don't drink bro but i but like i smoke weed it's fun. If that works for you, good. I, I don't judge anyone. I ask right. that you don't judge me. If yep. this shit is hard enough, if you're my brother or sister in arms and you're trying to fight this too, like I'm with you, dude. Yep. Okay. Like that's my attitude. Um, so I'm in New York. I ended up, I, this is when I start working in recovery. It's funny. I have a love hate relationship now because I don't, I work in plastic surgery now, uh, which is I'm in this beautiful plastic surgeon's office. Um, just take a minute to give some love to my boss, Dr. Neinstein. Uh, he's my mentor. I work for him at Neinstein Plastic Surgery. I'm the, I'm the chief motivator. I'm the head of operations. I'm the head of sales, head of marketing. Um, and, I, and I've been working for him for close to three years now. Um, and, he, and he's like my guru and my mentor, you know, and, and I'm very loyal to the practice. I'm going to do anything for him and, and his family and his business. Um, so I start working in recovery. Um, and that helped me a lot at that point in my life. Cause I, I, I got to really help people and I work for this, um, luxury sober living in New York. And I got to help guys and girls who went, who were like me years before and who walked down my path. And that was awesome. Yeah. Um, I did that for like seven years and then I eventually kind of transitioned into my own thing, my own recovery business, Mitch Motivates. And I really like, you know, I had 
you know, close to a decade sober when I started Mitch Motivates. And then what it's like now is like what I'm going to get into. So I'm in like my third part of my sobriety journey and I'm really taking off. I, I got into an interesting thing where I kind of started backing away from AA to find like my recovery in another way. I, I was, my good friends had left my company that I was working with them in a to start their own recovery company. And I kind of was alone and I started working out a lot and started getting into like fitness and wellness to kind of like deal with the fact that like I had all these changes in my life and that really worked for me. I started running marathons. I started getting involved with the recovery, uh, sorry, with the fitness community in New York yeah. and performing, you know, well, and like really like being me, like being this guy who's like sober, who like likes to work out, who's like trying to help people work out and like do well in mental health and recovery, but like not AA my own kind of way. Yeah. And that like really worked for me. And I started really helping people, especially when I got into getting involved with social media and like kind of like broadcasting my brand, like people responded well to that. And I was able to help a lot of people. And like, that's, you know, a theme of my sobriety, another one. So we have location, we have the people I'm surrounding myself with, where I'm living, where I'm working. And now we have like, you know, helping people. And, you know, the 12 step in Alcoholics Anonymous is, you know, the summary to keep it, I must give it away. Yeah. So I'm doing Mitch Motivates. I'm like kind of like really performing well and I'm, I'm turned it into a business. I start coaching people. I start coaching families, helping people get their kids to treatment, doing safe transports. I, I remember like I would fly to LA for a day, <laughs> you know, take them to rehab. Um, yeah. And I did that during the pandemic. Like when, when we wow. first got locked down, um, I believe that my calling was above that. I believe that everyone was anxious and nervous, you know, but there was people that had a drug addiction and mental health issues that were also anxious and nervous, right? Yeah. So I believe that helping them was more important than I, and I was ready, especially in the beginning when we didn't even know what COVID-19 was. I was ready to get sick to help someone. Yeah. And talk about location. You're in the epicenter of, you know, where yeah, it York, was the yeah. worst. I mean, yeah. in the city. I mean, yeah. I mean, that, it was essential for people to get help. Yeah. And like sometimes it couldn't, you have actually most of the time it couldn't be done from at home. And, you know, I was busy during during the height of the pandemic. Let me tell you, um, eventually I had transitioned to from Mitch Motivates full time and Dr. Einstein part time to a flip-flop and I started, I, he brought me on full-time. So I worked full-time for him and I would do, you know, Mitch Motivates consulting and recovery coaching work as a part-time passion project um, I for fun and for free. I, I'm big on Instagram, I'm big on TikTok, YouTube, and I'm trying to help as many people as possible. And that's kind of where we're at today. Dana. And tell me before I forget, one of the your recent Instagram posts is about an event that's coming, a fitness event coming up in oh, October, yeah. right? The cycling. Uh, I would love to share about it, please. Please tell me, um, tell me, tell me more about that. So, one of my good buddies, his name is Zach Clark. He was on the Bachelorette. Um, he won the Bachelorette about five years ago. No, nice. sorry, two years ago. Two years ago. Nice. 
I remember when Zach Morning won Tasha's season of The Bachelorette. I remember, and he was like clear on the show that he was a sober guy. I remember like just having the message like if that guy could win The Bachelorette, if a sober guy could win The Bachelorette, like if you're sober, you could do anything. You could be president. And like, I was so proud of him. So he has this, comp- this company called Release Recovery. They have a foundation called the Release Recovery Foundation. It's fucking amazing. They give scholarships to, for people who can't afford treatment. So if you donate to what I'm about to say, you're giving money to a pool that helps people afford treatment and it gives scholarships for treatment for mental health and substance abuse. I'm running the marathon on the Release Recovery team, the New York City Marathon. And part of it is we have to raise $5,000. So we thought last year we had the idea. We thought, why not talk to SoulCycle, see if they can give us a class for free. And then we would charge the bikes and all the money that we raise for charging per bike to do our class will go to the foundation. Oh, cool. And I would raise the money. They would get, all the extra would go to release. The, re- the money I was raising is through the Release for Recovery Foundation anyway. So all the money goes to their, their foundation for the scholarship fund for the mental health treatment. So it, it was a hit last year. We raised about $20,000. Um, so we're doing it again this year on October 23rd. Maybe I could send it to you if you could link it. Um, yeah. Oh, I'll absolutely link it. Right? So yeah. you can buy a ticket to the ride. And two, if you, don't, if you live in like Ohio and you want to donate, we have a ticket that's a donation. You could donate a dollar. Um, Brilliant. It does no donation is too big or too small. Uh, so Mitch, you do a lot of great things uh, for a lot of people in a lot of different places in a lot of different ways. What would you say to a guy like me who's seven months into sobriety, six months into podcasting? What would you say to anyone who's in sobriety if you had 30 seconds left in your life to just communicate one last thing to the world? What would that 30 seconds sound like? An L is a lesson, not a loss. That, okay. you know, I am a negative person first, and then I go to the positive. And I have practiced this thing where every time I get rejected, every time I lose, every time something doesn't go my way, I immediately train myself to say, it's not a loss, it's a learning experience. And it's a lesson. And I will take that and it will make me better. And I will learn from that moving forward. And that has helped me tremendously. And that's what I would say. And that has helped me time and time and again. L is a lesson and L is just a way to keep moving forward, no matter what. I think it's perfect uh, way to close the conversation. Lots of L's in this, in this interview, because we talked about location, 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 and then L's meaning lessons. Uh, not losses and learning experiences. And as you said that, I thought about, you know, when you said being rejected and things like that, I, yep. it's, it was a reminder for me. Thank you. That's what I needed here today. Um, and, and understanding that that is not a loss. That's something that I'm here to learn from. And I hope that that will, I, I know that that will encourage someone else today. And whenever um, you're listening to this uh, episode, please uh, follow the link in show notes to check out these wonderful nonprofits that Mitch is a part of. Check out Mitch Motivates and the uh, services that he offers. And uh, Mitch, just thank you so much for taking time out of your Saturday over in beautiful Manhattan and uh, send our best to your boss and tell him we said thanks for what he does as that I, I never thought I would say that I had a, a that I had plastic surgery, but I did after I after I got my face punched in. I had to have my jaw reset, and I went to a plastic surgeon here in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, 
his team did a great job of, of resetting my grill. So thank you for what you do and, and to your team of what they do in plastic surgery, because it's, it's a lot more than just the stereotypical, yeah. you know, things that people think of. So thanks to all our, all our surgeons out there of every kind. And uh, to the people like you Amen. who were there on the, on the staff that they couldn't do that surgery without the support of people like you. So thanks thank for you. what you do, man. And for everything that you did during the pandemic and that you're still doing. Mitch Lev, thanks, man. Dana, the pleasure is mine, brother. Have a great day, okay? All right, you too, man. Quick heads up, I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye Premium members had full-length, unedited access to this episode before it aired. That's just one of the six perks you can get for $6 a month by joining at supercast.com. The link is in the show notes, and it's super easy to sign up. So whether you join or not, Alan, I just want to thank you for listening to the show, and we'll see you here next time.